0: Beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, there's always a big build-up, isn't there? A big build-up to our great feasts, like think of Pascha and the build-up, and the build-up of Christmas, and all the services that were going on, and the preparations in our home, and the feast day arrives, and we're up late at night praying and going home in the dark or early hours in the morning, and we get up if you've got children early in the morning, and then we've got services in the morning. And then you're preparing for a great meal at home, and then the end of the day comes and you're just like, oh my gosh, get my feet up. Then you have silence for the most part. I always look forward to this day, the day after Christmas, from beginning that night right before I go to bed to the next day, I like the silence of it all. There's something happening in that silence. I think of a farm and all summer long they're working the fields and they're growing their crops and they're tending them and then they're harvesting them and then they're putting the seed in and all this scampering around trying to get it all done before the rains of winter come. And when it does, then there's silence on the farm. But something's happening, isn't it, under the soil? Germination is taking place. In our gospel readings for all this period of the feast, there's been a lot happening. Earlier on, we had the the miraculous uh, conception of John the Baptist, the miraculous conception uh, of Anna with Our Lady. And then we had this amazing birth, or conception of our Lord. And then His birth. There was a lot of things happening. We heard Christmas Eve about how Caesar Augustus wanted a census done for the region, not like the one we did in 2020 where they just mailed them to you and mailed them back. I remember watching an old movie about the life of Jesus. I can't remember the name of the actor for the life of me, but I remember the way he acted when, when the... The, the governor of Syria told him, you're going to do this, and he's going, do you have any idea what you're asking? You're asking everyone to get up and move a whole nation in motion. Think of the disaster it will be to the economy. Not to mention the fact that you had a Roman occupation going on, forcing it all. This is the world that our Lord was born in. And soon as He is born, uh, Herod gets wind of it. And it says, all Jerusalem was concerned by what does this mean, this child that's being born? We got foreigners coming into our area asking strange questions, looking for this king. Fear runs among. The governor or the the, the king of the region says, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to murder all these 20,000 innocent children because I'm not going to be upset by a little baby. The noise of it all. And this is the world that our Lord chose to be born in. In the midst of all of that, he's born and then he has to rush out. a difficult journey all the way to Egypt. And then a difficult journey from Egypt all the way back, still trying to skirt the people that are after him, Herod's descendants, the next one that took the throne. And they land in Nazareth, and then, finally, for a brief period of time, We have silence. We have a bit of respite. We can put our feet up, if you will, a little bit and reflect on what's happened and what's happening as we peer in. The Word of God took flesh. And Matthew is writing in his Gospels trying to establish that this Jesus came into history. So he, he mentions about Caesar Augustus. We knew he where he, the time he lived in. He's also, Matthew, trying to establish for the Jewish uh, Christians he's writing to that this birth, this child, is a fulfillment of the law and the prophets that we've been talking about from Abraham all the way down through Moses and all the prophets. We even hear the two prophecies from Isaiah and Jeremiah tonight. Trying to establish that this word of God, as I mentioned, Christmas, became man. And there he is in the silence of a little, nondescript, insignificant little village of Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael will say. And so we look into this and we go, well, what's going on here? There's something happening in that silence. And we can see in that silence that life's happening. They're getting up in the morning. They're doing their daily tasks that is required of a family in that that time and age. Gathering water, gathering food, preparing all the food. Jesus was living a normal life like anybody else. He was running around, no doubt, with his cousins and the rest of the family that lived in the village. He was a real human boy. He even learned to trade from his father, as all boys would do. So he had work. Not the work just for making money, though that was important. We had to provide. They had to provide for themselves. But to see that there was dignity in work. It was a cooperation with God's creative plan to subdue, you know, to work with the world, to create something out of this. I gave you this world, now make it even better. Put your creative hand into it. We see that he even lived a spiritual, devout life. His Jewish faith. No doubt that faith governed his daily life as he learned as a boy all the rituals that he had to go through and the washing of the hands and everything that went with that. The rituals of the cycle of the week that he would go through, going to synagogue, the annual cycles of going to Jerusalem for the great feasts. And all the time, outside those walls, the world was going on with all its difficulties, with all its challenges, with all its chaos, with all its clutter, with all its threats. And yet that boy, our Lord Jesus, continued to grow in wisdom and knowledge. And we know it wasn't a perfect Things weren't always perfect in the household. Remember when he was twelve years old and they went off to Jerusalem for a feast, and they were leaving, and they were day into their journey home, and they couldn't find Jesus, so they went in search of him. And when they found him, our lady said, the mother said, Have you not seen that your father and I have been searching for you in sorrow? You see, they were going through the same things you and I go through: difficulties and challenges. Matthew's trying to put forward that this is a real boy. True God, but also true man. Because if we don't understand about his humanity, then the passion, death, and resurrection, and his ascension won't make any sense. It only makes sense, and it only has effect on us and our salvation if we understand that God became man. And so as a child, and growing up, he could identify with everything you and I go through, except he didn't sin, but he experienced the sinful actions of all those around him. Imagine what he's heard as travelers came through the village from time to time and brought news of what's happening outside of the world, the concerns and anxiety that might have been there for Joseph, wondering, I've got to protect my family. What's happening there? They were not spared anything. You and I are living in the same kind of difficult situation in the world today. Nothing's changed, really. And because we have the name and because we're baptized into Christ, those troubles and challenges and tribulations and insults and all are going to follow us no matter where you go. If you're a Christian, Persecution's going to follow you. Oh, you could run and hide for a little bit, and you might have a slight false sense of a respite, but it will come back. And if it's not external, it's going to be internal as we del- deal, delve into our the demons in our own heart. But for the moment, for the next couple weeks before theophany. We have not Nazareth time. We have that silence, that chance to sit back and ponder about this child like Joseph did outside the cave and look with longing, loving eyes of his mother and worship him as the Magi. A lot is happening. A lot is happening in our hearts if we're aware of it. If we allow ourselves this silence to reflect in it, a newborn child is born to us today as we continue to celebrate to save us, but not let us have free reign or live a life without troubles and difficulties. There's a price, and we see the holy martyrs, proto martyrs, Stephen, and what that cost him. But what he lost was nothing compared to what he gained. Because he knew that the word of God became flesh and walked amongst him. And that word of God was Jesus, who was born in a manger, and lived a quiet life in Nazareth, and grew in wisdom and stature. And then with the fullness of time was filled once again, he would come on the public scene, and begin to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand.